0: Step into the world of healthcare from an immersive point of view with the Symmetry Health 360 podcast. Join us as we unravel the complexities of the industry, exploring the latest trends, innovations, and healthcare policies with expert guests, thought-provoking discussions, and patient-centered stories. Tune in now for a 360-degree perspective on health. Welcome and thank you everyone for joining us. If you listen to episode two, we are here for episode three. This is supporting clinical staff in high risk home health and hospice settings. My name is Melissa Gordon. I'm a registered nurse and I have been in the industry, the post acute industry, home health, hospice, and private duty going on two decades now. And I'm joined with my colleague Kathy.
1: Good afternoon. or Hello, everyone. My name is Kathy Detling, and I'm a master's level psychologist, and I work as a clinical strategies consultant with with Symmetry. And prior to becoming a consultant, I spent 26 years working in the community behavioral health center world, providing office, home, and community-based services.
0: So episode three today, again, we're continuing our focus on uh, the unique safety challenges of our community uh, workforce. We're going to talk a little bit about home health and hospice. In particular, in this podcast. So, Melissa, let's talk about some of the unique
1: safety challenges faced by community based staff in comparison to other healthcare providers that are facility or clinic based.
0: Yes, big differences. So in episode one and episode two, we have touched upon many different areas, and it's important to continue talking about those assessments, in particular the home environment. So when we talk about our home environment, and we do a lot of this when we train our new staff, is that what in the home environment can you control? Can you control anything in the home environment? And that also includes group homes and includes if we're seeing patients in shelters. When we know when we're in a facility, there's a lot of controls, right? You're asked to sign in. you've got security, you wear name tags, uh, there's no smoking. you can the list goes on and on and on. But when you're in a home, in a person's home, and even in your own home, you can kind of think about this, you don't really have those rules set up. I mean, maybe there's no smoking in your house, but when you're seeing clients and patients, a lot of them do have smoking. Or pets, maybe you're allergic to cats, but you walk into a client or patient's home and there's lots of cats. So understanding the home environment, getting as much information like we talked about on our other episodes, as much as you can, will help you when you're faced with, some of those possible safety challenges. So when we think about safety, what do we think about other than the control of the environment? We think about the structure of the home that you're going in. So again, the structure of any facility is usually quite regulated. They have building codes. They have lots of other areas in place for you to be safe in. But when you're looking at a building structure, sometimes you don't know. You might fall through the stairs when you get there. Like I mentioned on episode two you of crumbled stairs, I've had that before. The elevator may not be working, so you might have to climb a few floors. Maybe the patient's on the third floor. They have grandma living on the third floor, so you're climbing up to the third floor. That could be a potential concern uh, for safety for you, not only your patients. Sometimes we shift right over to our patients and clients, but putting yourself in that environment and the safety concerns Kathy I know you had a, a an example I think yeah one of the examples
1: is when i was a case manager i worked with a family who i had to be very careful when walking through the living room because there were rugs covering holes in the floor now the family had lived there for a long time and knew exactly where to step but i you know remembering where to step i you know it was a little bit very risky for me, and you know, we kind of we basically moved the treatment away from the area where there was potential to fall through the the flooring. You know, you have to you know, kind of pivot and accommodate, but you don't put yourself at risk because nobody wants a broken ankle when they're they're doing uh, community-based
0: services. That's very true. I, I didn't think about weather too, but depending on where you live, the weather also within the structure of the home. When you're driving in the driveway or trying to climb up those stairs and icy can also be major safety. Others, again, I meant we mentioned on episode two, parking. Be aware of your parking situation. I've almost had my car towed a couple of times because it was in a certain area. And one other area to mention is who's in the home. Again, can't reiterate this enough, but when you think about a facility, you think about the visitor's policy, even in certain other community-based environments, the placement of the compatible roommates, right? We've got to make sure everybody is getting along with each other. I think of that mostly when I'm thinking about uh, seeing my patients in shelters. You know, really, we needed to make sure that everybody was there. And if they needed care from you know a clinician, where were you going to provide that care? But the safety of who is at home. Again, we mentioned in episode two, drugs, the guns. There's no rules when you walk into somebody's house, but they need to understand your rules and you need to be safe about what you're walking into. Uh, And also visitors. I've walked into a room to see grandma and there was 15 family members. And I don't know any of these people, obviously, but you have to really take a step back and think, okay, when should I, I be here with all of these people? Let's ask some questions about, can we see her at this time privately? What is the best scenario? And the best scenario for you as the community-based worker and the home health and hospice nurse. The neighborhood also is a concern sometimes. So knowing where you're going to see the patient, not necessarily. Sometimes one end of the street might be a little safer than the other end of the street. So knowing where on that street is safe and asking the appropriate questions and maybe going in the morning hours is better than going late afternoon or evening in certain areas, but know those rules for that neighborhood. Don't necessarily have to know that for the facility if you were seeing your patients in the
1: facility, right? And also if you're an agency that's providing unscheduled crisis appointments because a medical need pops up, really understanding safety going into certain areas or certain neighbor or certain neighborhoods, and to make sure that all of those safety protocols are really followed, making sure people know that you're leaving. It may be that you're unfamiliar with the home to make sure you read up on the notes before you go out to home because you're doing emergency coverage. So providing emergency care adds an extra special level of safety risk. We've talked a little bit about that our community-based workforce really has so many deeply empathetic and committed providers, and they continue to work every single day to support the needs of our community. Can you talk more about the importance of ongoing safety training
0: for this workforce? Uh, Very important during orientation, any new staff get a complete safety training. Uh, Sometimes that might be a couple of videos. Uh, We recommend that it's just more than a few videos. It's uh, case examples like you and I are talking today. It's making sure that when you're either doing role playing in your education or you're out with another clinician, that you're bringing that forward as part of the training. And then we recommend annual training. So you should have a module of safety trainings. Again, a lot of it is online, Uh, taking that a step further and doing, again, competency of some type where you create your case studies and then uh, your clinicians can contribute To answering those scenarios. Those components of the safety training should include identification of risk, so both for for all, for family, for support, and then again, like we talked about earlier, for the environment, developing those proactive strategies, meaning I've I've done my phone call to the house, I've looked at the referral, I understand what my treatment will be when I get into the house, and then I can implore some of those safety strategies. And then we always say making sure you're reporting. So the reporting could be to the state level, but it can also just be to your team manager if that's following your policies, but bringing forth to your team manager and then deciding who needs to know about a certain incident and when. I think it's very important that you make sure that you're being very communicative when you're talking about certain things in the home that you really know as a community based provider something should be done about them or something should be done to keep you safe so let's talk about some of the available resources such as mobile apps
1: online platforms all those things that can be used in the moment for in the moment for when an incident happens
0: so you know one thing that i didn't have years ago and i think probably some people listening to the to the podcast can relate to is we didn't really have those. I have lots of colleagues that still had to go out and use the payphone, But thankfully, since we have our mobile phones now, and if you're using, doesn't matter, Android or iPhone, there's lots of security apps that will help you. You know, the find my phone on the iPhone is great. And if you want to use something in addition to that, there's Life 360. Keep in mind, sometimes there's a charge for apps, but some of these are free you can always call 911 by just saying, you know, Siri in your phone, and that will automatically pick up. Some of us have Apple watches, which will also do a great job on connecting with 911. If you use HIPAA compliance texting in your agency, you can send group texts as well. And then if you need to go and talk to somebody, we encourage this all the time with staff, no matter what community-based provider role you're in, is work with employee assistance. It's so important to be able to talk about situations, what you're seeing, what you're working with, who you're working with. It's very important. So reach out to your employee assistance uh, programs. So Kathy, tell us about some of the other supports that are available when a crisis or an incident happens. To a community-based provider, I think first and foremost the importance of team support. Uh, you know, talking
1: with people who understand what you're working with and and may have been in that same situation. So getting that support, um, knowing you're not alone. in part- That's really important, especially in today where a lot of people are working remotely. Having your supervisory support and agency support when something happens in a general way, as you're reviewing what happened, not looking at fault or negligence, you know, but really finding some opportunities where safety protocols did work or what we put, put in place did work is really is kind of comforting in In the agency where I worked with, we had somebody coming in who was really upset, who started banging on a a support staff's plexiglass window. In the moment, it was very chaotic but the support staff involved felt very relieved that the plexiglass worked exactly as planned and the safety protocol they they contacted you know they immediately put a safety portal and crisis intervention workers came in and resolved the issue and everything worked as planned versus people who weren't in the situation were really kind of up in arms saying they wanted bulletproof glasses and they wanted security in the building but You know, once you've been through a situation and the safety protocols work, it's really kind of, you know, kind of comforting to say, yeah, I did what I was, you know, I did follow this and and there was a positive outcome. Nobody was hurt um, and everything worked as planned. There's another tool called critical incident stress debriefing, which is a standard model of bringing support to a group of people who have shared an experience. You know, a good example of that is I was part of a community response team where everybody did what they were needing, you know, what they needed to do, but there was a really rough outcome. And part of that experience is really validating everybody's feelings about that sense of helplessness about everything. You know, we did everything that we were wanting to do, but the outcome wasn't what we had hoped for. And having that shared understanding that we did everything that we could and that sometimes bad things happen not because of something what something didn't do, but just because there's some things that are, are out of our control. And so, Melissa, what are some self care tips you've used or provided to community based staff to manage their self care?
0: Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think it's one that we we all try to em, embrace at times and focus on how do we take care of ourselves. You know, we advise that you try to achieve your work life balance, which is I say that out loud, it's very subjective, right? Whatever work-life balance is for you, it's different possibly for someone else. But don't take work home with you. Connect often with coworkers. I think also when we're working in remote, it's a little more challenging. I think we all did realize that over the last couple of years. But talk with coworkers that have had similar experiences that you know can bestow the wisdom of how to manage Unsafe situations. Use the agency connection time, meaning, you know, any opportunity you can with your manager, with your resources, make sure that you're doing that for yourself. Like we always say, even outside work, take care of yourself. And that means eating right and exercising. And don't, please don't forget your sleep because I have found as I got older, that's the number one uh, concern for me and that. Throws off my judgment, or that doesn't make me present in situations. And then, like we had mentioned before, use any other resource that you can find to help your mental health and your emotional well being. There's lots of meditation apps that you can do. If you've got a commute, use that time to kind of process and release some of what you've been going through. And then one of my favorites is using the self podcasts, self-care podcast. There's so many I wouldn't even know where to begin. But there's a lot of experts out there that really do provide different perspectives than you know than maybe you have thought of when you're dealing with some crisis at work or anxiety or something that happened in the home that you really need to move from and there's a lot of self-care podcasts that would help and then generally like we talked about employee assistance before really going through and get some counseling to manage your day to day and i always say what and again that means different things to different people so you have to really know yourself and know When you need to get help and when you need to reach out, so. So Kathy, if you can just uh, wrap up some of our key points of this episode. Okay, sure. First and
1: foremost, we we spoke about the importance of safety training both before you're starting to work, you know, as part of orientation, and going annually, you know, keeping those tra- this the training active and current and in your mind. Number two, we've talked a lot about this through all three webinars: is understanding your environment and do all those proactive strategies to set yourself up to be safe. in in your home-based work, use those in-time apps to make sure people know where you are and to be able to access emergency services if it becomes an, an emergency situation. Finding support from within your team and with people with shared experiences in the work that you're doing. And the big thing is taking care of yourself, using the available uh, applications and resources that that are more easily available at this point in time than any other time in our lives. So, you know, making sure that your mental health is is well covered is really needed.
0: Well, thank you everyone for joining. uh, And for further information, you can reach out to SymmetryHC.com. We're happy to be able to bring this content, a very important uh, content to you you all. Well.